when you look at your life, you need a couple ingredients for God's favor. Obey what he says. That's it. It's already given to you. But there's one clause for it. Obey what he says. Esther did. She fasted. She obeyed what Mordecai said. She was right in line with exactly what um, was told to her by uh, Xerxes. And God moved the plan along as he saw she needed his help. It's time now for the Autumn Miles Show. It's your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome to a brand new series that we are doing all about women, you guys. All about women. It's all about women, and I am here for it. I have studied so much. <laughs> like, so much. Like, I studied for three hours today because I just... I just got lost in it. Like, just totally got lost in it. We are going to talk about favor today. Everyone wants the favor of God. And we are going to talk about it today after the break. We're also going to talk about the how the, the links that God will go to in order to keep his promise to you. God does crazy stuff to keep his promise to you. And we're going to talk about that after the break. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Okay. What is happening in my life? My daughter turned eight, you guys. She turned eight. Um, everyone knows that she's my baby and probably way more spoiled than she should be. <laughs> but she turned eight and we gave her the best. We, we figured out this weekend that we have thrown 47 birthday parties for all four of our kids. 47. 47. That's a lot. 47. Anyway, I love throwing a birthday party. I love it when they're like little eyes light up and all the things. Um, but she is really into rollerblading and we haven't done this one yet. And so I was like, let's go to a roller skating rink. And so we went to a roller skating rink and you guys, uh, it was everything. It was amazing. I used to go to the wigwam roller skating rink growing up in Indiana. And I was a little nervous about walking in there. Cause I was like, uh, is this going to be clean? Uh, but it was, it was very clean. It was very fun, but I walked in and Eddie and I looked at each other and I was like, oh my gosh, this is our childhood. It's our childhood. Everyone put on roller skates. It was there. She had so many friends there. So many people showed up for her. It was amazing. But, um, my, my teenage son also was there with his friend and we're in the middle of the party and, you know, doing the cake and everything, you know, and there was like 20 kids and they're all eight. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> but my son, you know, he didn't care anything about eating, you know, cat cake, but he, he goes out with his friend and he's, he's uh, going around, you know, you, you kind of skate in a circle around everywhere. And the, the party is finally dying down. And my husband and I are looking out and we're watching all the kids like, uh, you know, roller skate and everything. And there's my son who, like, I know he's a boy, but I literally was watching myself when I was skating at the wigwam when I was a teenager because he's skating 
next to a new girl that he had just found and they are skating around and around talking laughing doing all of the things i kind of wish he would fall and so that would be it but he didn't guys and eddie and i just looked at each other and we were like shaking our heads like what in the world guys it is so scary when you watch your kids do the things that you did and you don't want them to do it. <laughs> don't be a girl at a skating rink. No, no, don't do that. Anyway, she looked very nice, but um, we laughed forever at that because I just, I saw myself and I, and I continue to see myself in my son and in my older daughter over and over and over again. And I'm thinking, oh Lord, <laughs> Please protect them from some of the things that I did. Uh, anyway, uh, it was a great birthday party. We had so much fun. Haven is a blessing to our lives. I just, I love her so much. I'm so thankful for all four of my kids. Okay, that is what's happening in my life. After the break, you don't want to go anywhere because this is not your typical Esther message about for such a time as this. We are going to go there and talk about favor and how God makes a way for his word. Talk about the backstory of the whole book of Esther. It's going to be good. I'll see you guys after the break. Love ya. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. Did you know that Autumn has many resources available to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God? By visiting autumnmiles.com, you can access them all. From there, you can find previous teachings under the podcast and media tabs, and you can order any one of the books Autumn has written. Her book, Appointed, will help you better understand that your significance is only found in God. While I Am Rahab beautifully conveys God's ability to redeem any situation you may have found yourself in. And if you want to add some heat to your prayer life and kick things up a notch, Gangsta Prayer is a book that will help you do just that. Again, you can find all these resources and more by visiting autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, guys, we are back from the break. And I, as I have said before, I just feel honored to bring you guys this word today. Uh, we are talking, in case you missed it, all about women. This is a new series where we are going to highlight women um, in the Bible, in the scripture. I love a good character study, and we're going to do that for the next couple of weeks, especially leading up to Mother's Day. You guys, this week and my study this week, like, has encouraged the very deepest part of me. And I do mean the deepest part of me. I will say this. I was going in one direction <laughs> with my message today, all about women. And the Lord quickly over the last few days has kind of reined that in because God has a word to share through his word. And sometimes us uh, speaker, preacher, teacher people, we can have a good idea of what we believe God wants us to say. But once you get into the text, 
the Lord is the one that kind of guides and leads. And you guys, I am so honored to bring you this word today. I want to talk to you all day, all for the rest of this message, all about favor. We hear this word a lot, favor, favor this, favor that, favor whatever. Oh, she just got favor. Oh, she, well, some some people, um, the, especially the woman I'm going to talk to about today, gained favor, found favor. They were, um, other people gave her their favor. So they found favor. She found favor with everyone. And this word we're, we talk about a lot. And some people are fully walking in the favor of God. And some people have even denied the existence of the favor of God on their life. If you are a believer, (laughs) if you are a believer, God has told us that we, just by being a believer, have gained the favor of God. Okay. So, and I'm about to dip into the scripture. Those of you that are like, where is that found? Okay. I'm going to show you. But it's time to assume the favor that God has already given us. Now, there is a clause to his favor, and we're going to talk about that today. But I really want to expound upon this idea of favor in the Christian community, favor. A lot of times we don't feel favored, but we are favored. We don't feel favored because the enemy wants nothing more than for you to believe that you are not favored by God and his hand is not on your life and he has forgotten you and he no longer walks with you. I want to talk to you about the great links God goes to for us and shows his favor. We're going to talk about Esther today. Now, this is not going to be for such a time as this message, okay? Um, I probably preached that over the years. I mean, but Esther was a woman in scripture. There is so much backstory before we get to uh, for such a time as this, which, which we all know about. We're all very familiar with that line. When Mordecai looks at her and says, who knows if you haven't assumed this position for such a time as this to save the Jews. Now, she was someone who found favor because of her obedience. And we're going uh, to dip into that definitely today. I want to go to this passage for you to start off this whole dialogue on favor. Because some of you guys need to stop trying so hard. Some of you guys need to stop trying to get yourself known or suggesting yourself or passive aggressively, (laughs) you know, putting yourselves in positions that will help you achieve a promotion or be seen by so-and-so or whatever it is. We all want favor, and a lot of times we strive because we think we have to strive to get favor. And what we really don't understand is that we already have the favor. We just have to work in line with God's principles to make sure his favor rests on us, okay? In Numbers 6, 24 and 26, 
you know, you know the blessing. You know that song that uh, Carrie Job and Stephen Furtick and all those people came out with, and it was like amazing. Like the first time I heard that song, "The Blessing," I think I cried for, you know, I listened to it on repeat for days. It was such a song for that season of of everybody's life. We just needed to know that the favor of God was going to be with us. Okay, listen. The Lord said to Moses in number 6, 22, and this is how you know that that song is directly from Scripture. The Lord said, uh, spoke to Moses, Numbers 6, 22, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the sons of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord, that was directly from God, bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. 27. So they shall invoke my name on the sons of Israel and I will bless them. That was a blessing given through Moses and Aaron from God himself bless you. The Lord bless you. I'm blessing you. I am uh, blessing you. I am keeping you. My face is shining on you. I'm going to be gracious to you. I'm going to lift up my countenance on you and I'm going to give you peace. That entire blessing was um, directly from scripture from God himself, whose messengers were Moses and Aaron. Now, I want to back up as we're talking about uh, favor for a second. And I want to read this passage of scripture to you too. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, 13 says this. These are verses that people love, but if you actually dig in to the foundation of these verses and actually watch the foundation of these verses unfold in scripture, it will blow your mind. This verse, I think my kids actually recite this verse every single week at school. Um, Deuteronomy 28, 13. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Now, this is a blessing um, given to Israel. The Lord, or to us, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will be above and you will not be underneath. And here's the clause to the blessing. If you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today to observe them carefully. I'm going to pick it up and um, I'm going to read verse 11 and 12 as well, because they're also really good. This is the promise for blessing for the nation of Israel. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity in your offspring and the offspring of your body and the offspring of your beast and in the produce of the ground and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Next verse is this. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you only will be above and will not be underneath. I want you to remember that. You're going to be the head. You're not going to be the tail. 
You're going to be above. You're not going to be underneath. If you listen to the commandments of the Lord, your God, if you listen to the commandments of the Lord, your God. Now, I studied a lot for this, so I have a lot of information that I don't want to totally bore you with. And I absolutely want this to be a very relatable message for you. These passages of scripture, I'll bless you, keep you, make my face shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up my countenance on you and give you peace. You're going to be the head and not the tail. You're not going to be beneath, you're going to be above, but you got to listen. Those promises from scripture, we can claim today. Now, they were written specifically for the nation of Israel and all the different tribes that were included in that nation. But there's something that we, as believers, his children, also can claim today. I want you to go on a journey with me today because I want to unfold something beautiful to you. The word that God spoke in Numbers and in Deuteronomy and those passages of scripture, if you were to abide by what he commands and listen and obey, you can partake of them as well. We're going to see in Esther how exactly she became the head and not the tail. We're going to see in Esther how she became above everyone and not beneath because she was a part of the tribe of Benjamin that was referred to in this passage of scripture. And she was obedient. You know, the book of Esther talks about so many different things, but the name of God is not mentioned in the book of Esther at all. Like it's, it's not in there, but let me tell you something. It is not just a story about the Jews getting saved by Esther. I know we hear it, we read it, we see it, all of those different things, um, you know, throughout the narrative of Esther rising to power. If you don't know who Esther is, I'm about to break that down for, for you today. There's a very strong narrative in there about Queen Esther um, saving the Jewish race. But I want to talk about the lesser known narrative in there that if you read it face value, you miss. And the reason I want to talk about this lesser known or lesser recognized narrative that's in the story is because I believe today that some of you out there need to hear that God makes a way, gives unlikely favor, moves kingdoms, people, generations around for his plan. Because I get a sense today that some of you are struggling, wondering, am I forgotten? Is my way hidden? I've been striving for so long. God, where are you? I've been looking for so long for this prayer to be answered. And God, you haven't done it. I want to encourage you by the lesser known narrative 
in Esther because it's all about against all odds, God making a way. Against all odds, God bringing favor to someone who was so unlikely and so underestimated and so hidden because he always honors his word. She was the tale and the narrative of this passage of scripture that we're about to talk about, but she became the head. She was below, but she rose above. And some of us need to be reminded today that your striving will only get you so far, but the favor of Almighty God on His plan for His purpose in His world literally will move people out of the way to make sure He makes good on His promises to His people. Now, I hope I set that up for you pretty good, but I want to start off with um, just the word favor and what it means. Favor means kindness, mercy, goodness. Favor means those are the three words that I pulled out of the text that I wanted to focus on. Favor means, you know, incredible mercy that you know you don't deserve and yet it's offered. Promotion, you don't deserve and yet it's offered. Goodness, you don't really deserve, and yet it's offered. Esther 2.15 makes this statement, and Esther found favor in the eyes of all who saw her. Like I just said before, this book is not just about her saving the Jews. It's about God making a point that if you are obedient and you do what he asks you to do, he will make a way for his plan and he will bestow favor on you that you don't even deserve, expect, see coming, work for. He will make a way through his favor. His name, although I miss it tremendously in this book, doesn't have to be in this book. Because his character is all throughout it. His character preaches when his name is absent. His power preaches in this book. His precision preaches in this book. The God of the impossible preaches in this book. And his name isn't even there. Someone needs to know who's believing so hard and you're about to give up, that God will remain true to his word and will move things around and will move people around and will give you unlikely favor just to be faithful. His name didn't have to be in the book because it is saturated with his character. It is saturated with his goodness. I want to go and just kind of talk through just the background of this book. I'm going to try not to bore you guys, but it is important. I know that some of you guys listen and you're like, oh my goodness, I love like all the little tidbits. And I know some of you guys are like, I am glazing over and boredom. But this is what I love to do, you guys. And I just, this is something that, you know, it's so funny. Like I hated to learn in school because I hated school so much, but give me a Bible and give me like a concordance. And I am like all about it. You guys, I'll geek out all the like hardcore. 
I want to show you how the underlining narrative of this theme is making a way through his favor. Because I want to talk to you how many things had to be moved out of the way for Esther to even be called king. All of them were unlike our queen. All of them were unlikely. Every single thing that happened in this narrative before she rose to the queenship was unlikely. Nothing should have happened the way that it did, and yet it did. God used this entire uh, back story before she actually assumed the throne. We've got a king here. Now, I'm not going to read all the text, but I do think it's important. A lot of times we jump straight to uh, Esther 2 and 3 and 4 because they're the all fun ones. But we forget about Esther 1. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. There was a guy, his name was King Xerxes. Now, I understand everyone pronounces this different, but this is the way I'm going to pronounce it. Okay. His name was King Xerxes. And for interest sake, we need to read Esther 1 one and two. Now it took place in the days of Xerxes. It doesn't look like it's spelled like that, but if you look it up in the original language, that's the way that it's supposed to be sound apparently. Xerxes who reigned from India to Ethiopia over 127 provinces. In those days, as King Xerxes sat on his royal throne, which was at the citadel in Susa. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all of his princes and attendants, the army officers of Persia and Media, the nobles and the princes of his provinces being in his presence. And he displayed the riches of his royal glory and the splendor of his great majesty for many days, 180 days. I'm going to set this whole chapter basically up for you. Here we've got a king. This king is like the king, okay? He's like the king of all the everything. He is over 127 provinces. Think of that. There's 50 states. (laughs) in the good U.S. of A, 50 states. So we have a president who's over 50 states. This dude was over almost three times that many regions, okay? Now, the regions, obvi, were a little bit smaller, but um, still, he was a major powerhouse in this specific time. Now, He, and I know this from my study, you can look it up. He had only been in charge for three years. Okay. His dad died. He took the throne. He'd only been in charge for three years and the dude got cocky. Okay. He was like, wow, look at all these 127 provinces. I am the bomb. This is amazing. I absolutely love being the ruler of all these people. He got cocky. Point number one, God uses people who get cocky to accomplish his plan. (laughs) He said, this is what I'm going to do to show everyone how awesome I am. I'm going to give a feast. Every important person that you can imagine, all the princes of all the provinces, all of the, the, you know, the people with all the gaudy jewels and all of this kind of stuff, they all were invited. And he gave a banquet, you guys, for 180 days. I mean, I don't know about you, but I would be so tired at the end of partying for 180 days. I don't even know what in the world I would be 
doing? But this guy was so full of himself that he thought, yeah, let's give a birthday party for 180 days. <laughs> let's give a congratulations to me party for 180. I don't even like to stay at parties for 180 minutes, much less 180 days. Now, all those people didn't stay at the party the whole time, but no doubt lots of people came in, they dined with him. He showed them all of his wealth which is exactly what he wanted to do. Verse four, and he displayed the riches of his royal glory and splendor of his great majesty. All he wanted to do to all these really important people was to show off. Look how awesome I am, okay? When the 180 days concluded, the dude threw another banquet. And this time it was for all the peons. <laughs> Like the people that nobody, I mean, it says great and small, but anyway, let me read it so I get it right. When these days were completed, the king gave a banquet lasting only seven days for all the people who were present at the citadel of Susa, which was the giant palace in Susa. From the greatest to the least in the court of the garden of the palace. So he just finished all the princes and everyone for 180 days. He throws another banquet for seven days and said, okay, we've, we've dined all the important people. Now, yes, we're gonna have some great people come in, but also all the little, you know, peasants can come in. He gets wasted. And I, this is just what the text says, okay? So that's just what happens. At the end of seven days, it says this in verse 10, 110. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, or as we say, wasted, he commanded all these people to bring Queen Vashti, or Vashti, depending on how you want to say it, before the king, with her royal crown in order to display her beauty to the people and the princes, for she was beautiful. So he said this. I already showed, for 180 days, I showed off how awesome I was to all of these uh, really important people, like all these dignitaries and stuff. For seven days, I invited, you know, the peons to come in, all the peasants to come in, and you know, the great people too. And then when he got drunk, he said, I have a great idea. I want to show off how beautiful my wife is. Now, Vashti, Vashti, however you want to say it, she was beautiful. She was like the bomb. I mean, she was like gorge, okay? So he wants to show off his wife. <laughs> but, first of all, but Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command delivered by the eunuchs. She said, mm, no, not coming, okay? Strong woman in her own right, for real, for real, guys. Verse 12, the king became very angry and his wrath burned within him. Now, I want to make a couple points because we are talking about the narrative of making a way with God's favor. First of all, while all this was happening, God was in control of it all. While Xerxes was raised to power, God was in control of that. He saw that happening. He knew exactly when his father was going to die and he raised him up into power. He also used the cockiness and the pride in Xerxes to basically say, hey, we're going to give this banquet for 180 days. I'm going to show off how awesome I am. He also used the arrogance in Xerxes to say, oh, 
I'm not done at 180 days. I also want to show all the peasants what they're missing. So I'm going to invite them in and I'm going to show them how beautiful the citadel is so that they can wish that they live here, live there. Then he got wasted. Okay. Now God uses things like that to accomplish his plan. His plan makes no sense to us. Okay. Vashti is summoned by him and it would literally be the biggest smack in the face ever for a queen publicly to say no to a king. And especially, well, I mean, I don't know what queens and kings do now, but in biblical times, you just do what you're told, okay? She refused. An impossible circumstance ordinarily for a king and a queen. But she said, no, I'm not doing that. You're drunk. I'm not going to parade myself around. No. That decision God used to make a way for our girl, Esther. All of these things timed have been, uh, were timed perfectly in order to bring about a little girl who was placed in a very high position. When Vashi said no, uh, he got so mad. Oh my gosh, so mad. And he went to all of the smart people in the room and he's like, what shall I do? What is the law? What should I do to, to Vashti? You know, what should we do to her? And this is what they came up with. And I want to read this. Uh, verse 19, all the wise men and, and everyone came together and they said, if it pleases the king, let a royal edict. We're going to make a new law, guys, because Vashti made me so mad. Let's just make a new, uh, a new law to banish her forever. Um, if it pleases the king, let a royal edict be issued by him and let it be written in the laws of Persia and media so that it cannot be repealed. I know. Let's make a law. God is in it all. That Vashti may no longer come into the presence of King Xerxes and listen, 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 let the king give her royal position to another one who is more worthy than she. When the king's edict, which he will make, is heard throughout all the kingdom, great as it is, then all the women will give honor to their husbands, great and small. Verse 22. So he, he sent letters to all the king's provinces to each province, 127 of them, according to its script, and to every people according to their language, that every man should be the master in his own house and the one who speaks in the language of his own people. Now, I hope you see what's happening here in Esther 1. God, through the most crazy, ridiculous circumstances, unheard of circumstances, is making a way for his will and to honor his word. God has no problem moving people out of the way. 
for his will, for his word, for his promise. God has no problem with, with using someone's pride to open up an opportunity to, to give favor to someone who is obedient to what he says. Everything in Esther 1 makes absolutely no sense. None of it should have happened. We look at it and we think, wow, I wonder why at the end of 180 days, there's another banquet for seven days. And on the seventh day of that banquet, he finally asked for Vashti to come out. I would think that he would ask for the queen to come out in the 180 days where he's showing off to all of the princes and everyone in the land. But he didn't. He waited till the very end of it all. At the last second, he made a decision that forever changed the course of the Jewish people. Why did he do that? Because God knew Haman was coming. And God knew Vashti was not from Jewish descent. And there was about to be a plot to completely annihilate the Jewish race. But God had a plan to make a way for a girl to rise to power that's from Jewish descent that's going to care a whole lot about whether or not her people die. He honors his word. He moves people around for his promise. What you think is a crazy decision might be the decision that someone else is making to position you into a place to walk directly into the fulfillment of the promise that you've been waiting for. This looks weird. It doesn't make sense, especially in this time. And yet God was making a way. Esther 2. After these things, when the anger of King Xerxes had subsided. Now, I, and all my teaching, it, it, it is, you know, he was drunk whenever he <laughs> made the, got really, really mad at her. And, you know, they came up with this idea or whatever. But his anger subsided. And it is in my, in my study. It's very interesting because uh, Xerxes, it's, it's said that he really did love Vashti. So he probably regretted what he did. But the edict was sent out. And everyone in every province knew of it. Mordecai knew of it. Esther knew of it. All the women knew of it. All 127 provinces, everyone in them knew that if you disrespected your husband or you did not do what you were told by your husband, uh, not good, okay? He made an example out of Vashti. Okay, here we go. So when his anger subsided, he remembered her. And what she had been done, what had been decreed against her, the king's attendants who served him said, let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. And that's exactly what happened. He sent out overseers of all the provinces to gather, listen, in 127 provinces. He sent out these overseers to gather every beautiful young virgin to the citadel of Susa, to the harem in the custody of Haggai. I think that's how it's pronounced, the king's unit, who is in charge of the women, and let their cosmetics be given to them. So here we have a bunch of impossible things happening in Esther 1, and then a bunch of impossible stuff happens in Esther 2 too. 
who was drafted is a young lady by the name of Hadassah. Now, um, let me read verse five. Now there was at the citadel in, in Susa, a Jew whose name was Mordecai. Oh, he was a Jew. That's interesting. Probably the descent of the Jewish people. Mm, interesting. The son of Jer, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a uh, Benjamite. Now, what did I read in the beginning of this entire passage? What did the Lord tell his people? The tribe of Benjamin would have been included in that. I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. You are going to be above and not beneath if you follow my commandments. Here's a guy, Mordecai, who God is about to make the head and not the tail above and not beneath. Okay, here we go who had been taken into exile from Jerusalem with the captives who have been exiled. I'm going to skip down, verse 7. He was bringing up Hadassah. Hadassah uh, would be her Hebrew name, okay? She's also given the name Esther. A lot of times they had a Hebrew name. They had two names. His uncle's daughter, for she was, she had no father or mother. Another thing. Here we have Mordecai. He's an exile. He comes from the descendants of Benjamin, a Benjaminite. Benjamite. And he's got this girl in his family and both of her parents, she was an orphan. Both of her parents had died. Now the children whose both of their, both of their parents died most of the time were, were slaves. They had to do all sorts of crazy labor um, in order just to live. A lot of times they would, they would pass away just because they didn't have anyone overseeing them or taking care of them. But she had Mordecai. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther. Esther also mean, can mean star. His uncle's daughter, for she had no father and mother. Now the young lady was beautiful in form and face. And when her father and mother died, Mor Mordecai took her as his own daughter. She had a chance because of Mordecai. Verse eight, so it came about when the command and decree of the king were heard and many ladies were gathered to the citadel of Susa in the custody of Haggai, that Esther was taken to the king's palace into the custody of Haggai, who was in charge of the woman. Verse nine. Now the woman pleased him and found favor. So he quickly provided her with cosmetics and food, gave her seven choice maids from the king's palace and transferred her and her maids to the best place in harem, okay? I wanna stop here for a second because a lot of impossible things have happened. And here we have this girl, Mordecai, who is a good man and he proves it later in the text. He's raising up this daughter who's not even his. All of a sudden this edict is sent out, this almost draft is sent out She's drafted because she's pretty and a virgin into this pool of women from 127 provinces. This is not, you know, Miss America, guys, or Miss Universe or whatever. This is like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of ladies that are drafted to be paraded before the king to see if he likes them. Out of all the ladies, impossible unlikely favor 
the orphaned girl named Hadassah finds favor. Why? Well, she's from the tribe of Benjamin, and Haman's coming. She finds favor. She eventually goes in to see the king after a year of cosmetics. This is why when people are like, why do you do your fingernails? I'm like, have you ever read the story of Esther? Do you understand that all these ladies were sent through one year of cosmetics? One year. Like I take a couple minutes, right? <laughs> one year of cosmetics. So don't you talk to me about my nails. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's so good. Verse 15. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter, came to go into the king. She did not request anything except what Haggai, the king's unit, who was in charge of the women, advised. And Esther, we started off with this, found favor in the eyes of all who saw her. Verse 17, the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she found favor and kindness with him more than all the virgins in 127 provinces. He set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now, I'm not going to go in to the entire rest of the story. But the narrative I think we miss in Esther is the narrative of unlikely favor and the way that God makes a way for his word, for his plan in circumstances that look absolutely impossible. Esther went on. She became queen. I don't even know. I was trying to look for it today, but I don't even know how many times the word favor is used in uh, the narrative in Esther many, many times. I highlighted it every single time I read it today because there's so many times that Esther found favor with the king. Esther found favor with the king. Esther found favor. Esther saved the Jewish people because Haman wanted them all hung. And then he was hung from the very gallows he made for the Jewish people. This ministered really deeply to me because I just feel that there's a lot of striving right now. I feel that there's a lot of frustration right now. Lord, you said it. Where is it? I feel like there is almost this um, toxic culture in the Christian community that we have to help God perform his promises. Let me tell you something. God honors his word. And his word said, I'm going to make you the head and not the tail. She went from orphan to queen, head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Mordecai became number two in the entire, uh, in all of these 127 provinces, he became number two in the entire land because both of them obeyed God, were faithful to what God said, and fulfilled exactly the plan that God had for the Jewish people. When you look at your life, you need a couple ingredients for God's favor. Obey what he says. That's it. It's already given to you. 
But there's one clause for it. Obey what he says. Esther did. She fasted. She obeyed what Mordecai said. She was right in line with exactly what um, was told to her by uh, Xerxes. And God moved the plan along as he saw she needed his help. If you're looking today and you're thinking, how do I get God's favor? It's through that obedience. That's the clause that the verse says in Numbers. How do you become the head and not the tail? Obey, do what God says. And when you get God's favor, God's favor is the only thing that you need. It's the only asset that you need. When Esther was going into the king to meet the king, she brought nothing except exactly what the eunuch told her to bring. She needed nothing. The only thing she needed was the favor of God resting on her. And immediately Xerxes chose her because he sensed the favor of God on her. It wasn't even how she looked. It wasn't even what she said. It was the favor of God that was a magnet to a higher position position because of his promise, you're going to be the head and not the tail. His favor is what you need. Number two, God moves things out of his way for his plan. You're looking at something right now and you've got a promise and you're, you're believing for a promise and you're like, well, so many people are in the way. So many hindrances are in the way. So many things are um, stopping what I believe that God said. Well, guess what? If God can move a queen and divorce a queen from a king and make a royal edict that says, hey guys, don't do this, and she is literally banished from his sight, don't you think that God can move that position around to set you in it? He makes a way when the way is ridiculously impossible. And third thing I want to say at the end is this. God knows exactly where to find you and his eyes are on you. While all this stuff was happening with Xerxes and Vashti and the banquets and all the drinking and all that kind of stuff, God's eyes was on Hadassah, Esther, and Mordecai. He said, they're from the tribe of Benjamin. By the way, the tribe of Benjamin was known as the warriors. They were the brave tribe. Deborah says that they taught themselves how to fight with their left hand so that they could shock the enemy and overcome it. It's no, it's no shock that God rose up Esther and Mordecai from the tribe of Benjamin to be a warrior for the Jewish people. He knows exactly where you are. He, he sees exactly the circumstances that you find yourself in. He saw Esther in 127 provinces in the middle of probably hundreds, if not thousands of beautiful young virgins. He saw her and he said, I'm going to rest my favor on her because she's going to be faithful to my word to accomplish my plan. There's a beautiful passage of scripture in Psalms and it says this, be still and know that I am God. But if you look that word, be still up, it says this, cease striving and know that I am God. There was nothing that Esther had to do but obey to be successful and have favor. Walk in the favor that she had already been given as a descendant of the tribe of Benjamin. 
I hope this encourages you today to do this. Rest in the God that always 100% of the time honors his word and his promise to his people. You anxious about that promise? Rest in this impossible story about how a little girl rose from the tail to the head. I mean, he was exiled. He was from the descendants that were exiled, Mordecai was. And then she becomes the queen? And Mordecai becomes second in command? That's crazy. But that's God. Rest in his ability to change the course of an entire nation so that he can remain a God of integrity and keep his word to you. That's how good he is. That's how good he is. I hope that encourages you today. I love that word. I'm sweating a little bit. Next week, we are going to talk about Rahab, and we're going to continue in this vein of unlikely favor. Unlikely favor. I think it's going to be pretty good. I'm loving it. Um, okay, after the break, we are going to do a question and um, a little story from you. I'll see you in a sec. Every day, a new day. Yeah, vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day. Yeah. Let's go. X, Y, Z, A. Yeah. What do you do when you can relate more to Jezebel, Rahab, or Eve rather than Esther or Mary? To her shock, author Autumn Miles discovered most of the heroes of the Bible were plagued with the same problem. They were ordinary people who sinned deeply, but God's love, mercy, and truth proved greater. In her book, I Am Rahab, Autumn provides a better understanding of God with a focus on the breadth of His reach to use and redeem all things for His purposes. You will find comfort in relating to Rahab the Biblical Harlot and to Autumn's own raw story of surviving domestic abuse and will be encouraged to know you are not alone in a life disrupted by bad choices, nor are you meant to stay there. You can move forward from your past and have an abundant future. To find out how you can get a copy of I Am Rahab, go to autumnmiles.com and click on the Books tab. That's autumnmiles.com. Every day, a new day, yeah. Vibing in the spirit makes me have a blessed day, yeah. Let's go, X, Y, Z, A, yeah. Okay, you guys, I have a question. Uh, no, I have a story. I do have a question. But I'm into the story first. Just like what I just talked about with Esther, you guys, I actually have a story that the Lord reminded me of this weekend. And I wanted to use this story because with Mother's Day coming, I am very aware that there are some women out there that want to be moms. They, you want to be mom. I, I totally my heart is so for you. My best friend struggled with infertility for 15 years, and then they had twins. It's a pretty amazing story. I'm, I know I've told it before. But I, I just felt compelled to share this story to encourage you out there. You want to be a mom, and you're really struggling with um, infertility. Or maybe you've got had IVF, and you've had a failed IVF and or something like that. Um, you are just really on my heart walking into this Mother's Day season. A few years ago, I was invited to do a radio uh, program, and it was actually crazy. The The person that picked me up was their wife used to work on our team. 
And in the car, we were driving to the hotel and he was telling me, because they'd been married for a while, that they have they had been trying to have children for several years and they were really disappointed and discouraged and they were really struggling with infertility. And I felt really compelled, Gangster Prayer just came out, I felt really compelled in that little car as he dropped me off at my hotel to do to work the next day to pray for him and his wife. And so I did. We sat there and we prayed and we prayed and I just asked the Lord to give him a child. And I remember getting out and I felt compelled by the Lord to say this. I looked at him and I said, when you have a baby, let me know because it's coming. I get out of the car and I'm just thinking, you know, sometimes I can just, I, I really feel the the hand of the Lord on like a prayer or a word or something like that. And I got out and I thought, wow, God is doing something. He is, he is, they're going to have a baby. <laughs> they're going to have a baby. About, I don't know, not a couple years. It, I don't even know if it was a year later. In my inbox on my fan page, I get a picture of a child. And it was this girl saying, you told us to send you a picture of our child when we had them and here they are i was so thrilled for them and i think they ended up adopting too but i was so thrilled for them because i could feel in that moment that heaviness that that precious man felt for his precious wife and i thought to myself oh god open her womb do what we can't we can't do it some things we cannot do, obviously. And I just want to pray a special prayer over everyone who's listening today that's struggling with that. Oh, God. Just like I just said, I pray that you make a way for your word, for your plan. And that woman's life who's listening right now that is struggling so bad and thinking to themselves, God has forgotten me. I think of Hannah, Lord, when she begged and she begged and she begged and God, you opened her womb and you gave her Samuel. I pray right now for you to open in the name of Jesus wombs. I pray for you to make a way where the way is blocked just like you did for Esther. In the name of Jesus, I pray that. Amen. I feel for you today. And if that's you, send me a, send me a picture in a year when you have that baby in your arms. Because God, he sometimes he just waits for us to, you know, ask or he waits for he waits for his timing or whatever reason he waits for I just really felt I felt that there's babies that are going to come out of that prayer I can just feel it I have a question from you guys to close this out we'll be talking about Rahab next week there is a person at my church now this is a really funny question kind of funny not funny uh, who always posts awkward divisive controversial things on social media <laughs> In person, they're amazing. But based on social media, I wouldn't want to even have a conversation with them. Why is this so funny? 
How do you handle this type of person? Do you say anything? Do you ignore the bad side of them? Advice. I have advice for you. Listen, I could go into this all day long because there is obviously social media has there's no accountability really with social media. You can say whatever you want. And it's, you know, sometimes it comes off like you're great and standing up for people. And then um, sometimes you say something and, you know, just for so people will think you're smart. Or sometimes you start, start an arg- argument because whatever. But I am so, I guess I'm past the age of petty arguments on social media or trying to prove someone right on social media. I'm just past that age. I'm just whatever. However, this is what I would do. If you have a relationship with them and you, it says right in person, they're amazing, but based on social media, I wouldn't even want to have a conversation with them. If you know them and you know that they seem amazing in person, Maybe you need to have a conversation and say the perception is from an outsider that you, and then fill in the blank. I would encourage you to have that conversation because ultimately this, as believers on social media, we're representing the name of Christ. I mean, we talk about this with people we hire. Don't get crazy. <laughs> like, don't, don't be trying to say whatever. Don't be divisive. Don't be this because you're representing the name of Christ. I was in a meeting yesterday and that's exactly what the person was saying. Listen, if you are here, you're representing our organization and you're also representing the name of Christ. Watch what you say because a lot of people can take things differently. So what I would say to you is if you know them, say, hey, Help me understand why you're posting this stuff on social media. Help me understand it and see what they say. And then gently approach them about it kind of comes off like you hate everybody or or you, you know, are really judgy or you are, you know, whatever, because probably no one has said that to them. So that's what I would say. That's what I would do hope that helps. Okay. Love you guys. I will see you next week for another episode of the Autumn Miles Show. See you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, you can check out the many resources that Autumn has available from her books and past episodes to her video series. We've got all the tools you need to help you grow deeper in your relationship with God. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. To get connected and for more encouraging content, you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. We appreciate your prayers and support for this ministry. It's because of you that we have been able to impact millions of people worldwide and that we can continue to serve those who need to hear Autumn's message of victory and promise. Find out how you can come alongside us when you go to autumnmiles.com. Just search the top of the index for the support tab. Thank you for listening in today and be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Autumn Mile Show.